All right. Good morning, Chapel Hill. My name is Paul McVitie. I'm the pastor here at Chapel Hill Church, and uh, I'm just excited that we're here this morning. We got a lot of good things to talk about. If you do not have a Bible with you right now, um, you're going to need one to follow along in as we go. And if, so, if you do not have a Bible, just go ahead and put your hand up, and our ushers will get you a Bible that you can use while we're uh, going through the Word this morning. And if you are receiving that Bible and you do not have a Bible of your own, please just keep the one that you receive and uh, take it as our, our gift to you, a gift from God to you. Uh, Last Sunday, we began our look at the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 regarding our treasure and what we should be doing with it. Jesus was helping his creation make a wise decision when it came to their treasure. And that was very generous of him. Jesus has not left us alone to figure out things in life. And his words in Matthew six nineteen to 24 are filled with wise advice. He clearly wants us to succeed. He does love us. And in that love, he has provided a lot of guidance for us on how to live the life that he created for us. We spent some time last week on Matthew six nineteen, and we found plenty there to keep us busy looking at the words and the wisdom of Jesus Christ. We listened to him talk about the vulnerability of our earthly treasures. He talked about moths and worms and thieves. All of this true and relevant to us in this day and age as well. Nothing we have in this earthly life is secure. Our houses, our cars, our jobs, our stuff, our money, our health, even our lives are vulnerable. We talked last week about our quest for significance. We are all wired to seek significance. We want to know that we matter. We want to know that our lives are worth something. And the problem is that far too often we seek that significance. We even seek our identity in earthly, temporal, vulnerable things. But Jesus makes it clear throughout his life that we are eternal beings. We are not just earthly beings. This place is not our home. We are strangers and aliens here. We were created with an eternal identity and worth So Jesus is encouraging us not to seek those things, not to seek our significance here in this temporary dwelling place that he's given us. We are eternal children of God's eternal kingdom. And in that eternal kingdom, we will find more significance than we could ever possibly find here on earth. Jesus warns us. That we cannot live significant lives if all we're doing is living for insignificant things. We also looked at the dot and line principle last week. The dot represents our earthly lives here. Our earthly lives have a beginning and an end. In comparison to the eternal lives that Christ purchased for us, our earthly lives are just puny dots. We were created for the line, for the line that goes on forever. We were created not for the dot that is our earthly, temporal, physical life. We were created for the line. We were created for eternity. Um, I mentioned last week that I I stole this image from an author named Randy Alcorn. Um, This past week, I was watching a recording of an interview with him. He said something that made me laugh, um, but so clearly demonstrated the worldview that surrounds us, even in the church sometimes. 
He talked about a well-known book that's been circulating for a while now. And the book is entitled, Your Best Life Now. This is a book that represents the way a lot of people think. We think we have to make this earthly life the best, most comfortable, most secure life that it can possibly be. As if this life is the only life that we're ever going to live or could be the best life that we're ever going to live. Um, Alcorn jokingly said, I I suppose this perspective can make sense, but only if you're going to hell. Our quest to make this earthly life the best that it can be is a very foolish quest. This is not it. This is not it. Our eternal life is so far beyond anything that we can experience here. It's ridiculous when you look at it. So why do we get so obsessed with making this life so comfortable? Why do we live like the rest of the world who lives without God as if this is all that there is? This is not it. There is an eternal life awaiting us there is eternity before us and and i love this part we can live in the reality that our eternity has already started it's already started the eternal life that christ has so generously given us is not about to start we've already received it we're already living in it it is always and is it always going to be just like this of course it's not of course it's not Sin is going to disappear forever, so is sickness and pain and suffering and anger and hate and sorrow and all forms of evil. That'll happen when Jesus comes back to get us, but our eternity has begun. It's already begun, and we have to believe that this life then has an eternal purpose. And we're exploring that eternal purpose right now in our study of the Sermon on the Mount. So let's go back into the words of Jesus in his sermon and listen for what he has to, to say to us today. Turn to Matthew six, nineteen to 21. Let's read again these verses. Last week we looked at verse 19, just verse 19, and how Jesus warned us about storing up treasures on earth. Here's what he said. He said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus tells us not to lay up for ourselves treasures on earth. He's talking about storing up earthly treasure He's talking about accumulating temporal, vulnerable things. He's talking about investing our treasure in things that cannot last or have no eternal value. He's warning us not to invest in things that will just go away. Obviously, he's going to show us something else. He's going to steer us in another direction here. Within his words is a very obvious message, and Jesus made this clear elsewhere in his words as well. Jesus has called us more than once... To be wise investors. He told a parable about the owner of some property who went away for a time and left some of his wealth with his servants. He expected them to invest that wealth. And he rewarded those who invested wisely. He expects us to invest wisely as well. 
I remember when the euro took over as the currency of several countries in Europe. Um, imagine being a citizen of Germany at that time. You knew that the changeover was taking place. The euro was about to become the only form of currency that would have any value in your country. So what would you do? Would you stockpile German marks? Obviously not. You would trade in your marks for euros while you had the chance. Um, This is a great picture of what Jesus is instructing us to do. He's letting us know that our earthly treasures are most certainly going to cease to have any value. He's asking us to make the smart decision and store up for ourselves heavenly treasure rather than the soon-to-expire earthly treasure that we're investing so much in. Let's take a minute to talk about the treasure that we have Um, God has been very generous to us. He's given us every good thing. In 1 Timothy 6.17, we see Paul writing to Timothy of a God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. He does provide for us. He is generous to us. Does that mean that he gives everyone financial abundance? No, but he does provide for his children generously let's look at some of what he provides Um, god certainly provides for the physical needs that we have he gives us enough not always a lot and we even have extra in there all of us do he gives us enough he takes care of his children he provides our stuff he provides money he's referring to money among other things in matthew 6 In fact, many Bible scholars have suggested that he's only referring to money. He's only referring to material riches in this passage. They refer to Luke 12, 33 to 34 to support this. And there Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. And this will sound familiar. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I'm going to admit to you right now that um, I have always struggled with churches that talk a lot about money. It's always been something that's made me very uncomfortable. Um, That message is usually attached to a current financial need that the church has or to some sort of campaign that they're going through at that time. And it bothers me greatly when churches manipulate people into giving. It really does. So I have a tendency in me to shy away from teaching or preaching about giving. Um, I never want to be misunderstood as a preacher who manipulates people in order to increase their giving to the church. And I've seen a lot of damage done in the name of the word of God for the sake of increasing giving, income for churches. So for my own sake, um, let me just set a bit of context for you so that I can help all of us focus on the words that Jesus says as he talks about money. Um, Right now, as a church, Chapel Hill, we are sitting at 100.84% of our budgeted giving. That's awesome. Our expenses are sitting at 94.24% of budgeted expenses. Also awesome. 
our giving to missions and outreach is at 107.22%. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And our caring fund that we give to every month is well stocked at over $11,000 right now. Um, Can we just celebrate God's provision for a minute? He is faithful. He takes care of his children. He takes care of his church. So if you have even the the slightest suspicion that I'm preaching a message that includes talk about money with some kind of ulterior motive, just chase that thought right out of your head. God provides for his people. He does. I believe that firmly. And you are faithful people who have responded to God's goodness and to the reality of the value of God's church. Thank you for that. This ministry is able to impact many lives in many ways every single week. And I'm simply blown away by where God's leading us and what he's doing along the way. It has been an absolute delight to serve you on this journey. And I can't wait to see what the future holds. Your faithfulness is so encouraging to me and so inspiring to me. God has given us resources. He has provided us with money. He has provided us with stuff. He has even said to us that he has provided many things for our enjoyment. He wants us to enjoy what he has provided. He is our father, so of course he has. He loves to give gifts to his children. And through his generosity, God has provided even more than just material treasures. God has generously provided us with relationships. Friends, spouses, children, family, brothers and sisters in Christ, acquaintances, co-workers, fellow students, and on and on the list goes. God has provided us with the treasure of relationships. God has generously provided us with time. He has given us the freedom to do what we choose with that time. God has provided us with energy. He has given us bodies, strength, health. God has provided us with passion. He has wired us to be motivated by personal, very unique things. Our Father has provided us with salvation. He has given us freedom, forgiveness, grace, mercy, faith. He has given us a direct line of communication with him. God has provided us with the message of the gospel. He has given us an understanding of his truth that is not there for so many in this world. God has given us his spirit and the power and presence that comes with that spirit. God has given us a spirit of courage and wisdom and discernment. God has been very generous to us. Don't ever let yourself measure God's generosity in only financial terms. He has given us so much and he has asked us to be wise investors of what he has provided. There's one more treasure that I want to mention that I I think we ignore too often. Um, To tell you what this treasure is, I want to show you a short video that really caught me off guard recently. Um, Just watch this feature. It's about a famous soccer player. My name is Zlatan Ibrahimovic. 
ago, people recognized me. Call my name. Cheer for me. But there are names no one cheers for. Carmen. Rachma. Antoine. Lida. Chewy. Mariko. If I could, I would write every single name on my body. But there are 805 million people suffering from hunger in the world today. Too many of them are children. They are struck by war, natural disasters, and extreme poverty. I have supporters all over the world. Beginning today, I want this support to go to the people who really need it. So whenever you hear my name, you will think of their names. Whenever you see me, you will see them. Listen, brothers and sisters, you and I have been provided by God with a platform. You may never have considered that to be a treasure before, but I want you to start considering it as a treasure today. You and I have a platform. It may not be as big as his. I know mine's not. He has a lot of admirers, and he is using his platform wisely. It was very interesting when he got those names um, tattooed on his body. Um, He went out into the the next game and less than two minutes into the game, he scored. Pulled his shirt off to show what he was all about and people knew what was coming and all that. He got a yellow card for taking his shirt off. (laughs) God has given me a platform. God has given you a platform. And he's asking us to use our platform wisely. Your platform may be small. It may be just a few friends. It may be just your coworkers. It may be just your spouse. It may be just your family. Whatever your platform is, how are you using it? Are you using your platform to lay up for yourself treasure here on earth or treasure in heaven? We have treasures. They come from God. He has entrusted us with treasures. The question is, what we'll do with those treasures? 
So Jesus is telling us exactly what he hopes we do with the treasures we've been given. There are some things that we need to understand about our treasure that will make us wiser in how we handle those treasures. And I want to look now at five truths about the things that we have been given by God. And without understanding these truths, it's much harder to fulfill the mission and responsibility that God has given us. And we can miss out on the substantial blessing that comes with carrying out God's mission in this world. First of all, we need to understand and believe that God owns everything that we have. God created us. He gives us life. Every good thing comes from God. If you look seriously at any one of the treasures that you own, you can easily trace it back to God. And if you think about something that you have and trace it back, but still arrive at the conclusion that you own it, then just remind yourself that God gave you the very breath you breathe and put that thing back in perspective. I dare you to try to find anything that you truly own. You're going to fail every time. Psalm 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. It's pretty clear. We can't allow ourselves to be fooled into thinking that we own our stuff. It all comes from God. It all belongs to God. And God has given us what we have for our enjoyment and for the purposes of his kingdom. Does that make God greedy? Absolutely not. Does that tell us that God does not want what's best for us? Think about it. Do you really want the task of of providing for yourself in a world that is fading like a spent flower? Let God handle what only he can do well. Everything we have belongs to him. Now, if God owns it all, which he does, then where do we stand? We are managers. We are stewards of God's stuff. We are the servants in the parable that Jesus told. God owns it and we take care of it. We invest it. We manage it. Something that really drove this home for for Kim and I was uh, our our years in overseas ministry. Um, As missionaries, we were supported by the people of God's church, including Chapel Hill Church. That's how we got paid. And what that meant to us was that we were spending someone else's money. So we made our decisions based on that reality. We were managers, not owners of those resources. What we had did not belong to us. It belonged to God and his kingdom. He had given it to us to manage according to his direction. We still live that way today. What we have, we have not provided ourselves. We simply manage it. And that's the reality in which God wants all of us to live. He has given us life and all that we need for life. He's asking us and showing us how to manage what he's entrusted us with. But he owns it all, everything. Secondly, we have to put our things in order of their 
true value. We have to rank our treasure, and this is a lot easier than it sounds. There's a number one spot, and then there's an all-the-rest spot. That's all there is, and God alone can occupy that number one spot in our lives. Psalm 89, 5 through 7 says, Let the heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord? A God greatly to be feared in the council of the holy ones, and awesome above all who are around him. No one and no thing can ever or will ever compare to God. Nothing. He's beyond anything we can imagine in his worth. He is absolutely everything we need. And it is a terrible thing when we demote him to any place but the first place in our lives. God is our ultimate treasure. There's nothing we should seek more earnestly than we seek him. There is no one we should be more generous with than with him. There's no one that can be rightfully put on the same level as him, not even our families. God is our ultimate treasure and he is to be valued above everything else in our lives. Everything. God calls us to dethrone and devalue everything we have and elevate him to our number one position as our greatest treasure. Only then can we truly know how to manage what he has given us, what he owns. Thirdly, we have to live in the reality that heaven is our home, not earth. We live in the line, not in the dot. Our lives here on earth are referred to in the Bible as tents. We live in tents. This is not our permanent dwelling. God will one day make it that. But right now, earth is not the place that we are to settle into. We cannot consider this our home. In Philippians 3.20, Paul writes that our citizenship is in heaven. Jesus said when he left the earth that he was going to prepare our home for us in the house of his father. This earth is not our home. Why then would we store up for ourselves things that will make this place seem more and more like home? Why would we choose to invest in our earthly homes when they aren't even our permanent homes? Doesn't make sense. Now, of course, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have homes. That would be silly. The challenge before us is to examine what it is that we're investing in. Do we store up treasure to make this place feel more like home? Or do we store up treasure that will make heaven feel more like home? The fourth truth that we need to acknowledge is the truth that our earthly treasures can become very dangerous things. We are weak enough to easily get ourselves entangled in the things of this temporary life. All I have to say is one word to prove my point. Materialism. We live in a very materialistic society. We live in a society characterized by greed The size of the gap between the rich and the poor in this nation is growing constantly. How can we be comfortable living in a world where right now 805 million people don't have enough food to eat? And we have more than enough. This reality is communicated clearly in the Bible. Paul warned Timothy that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Solomon, speaking from the position of having unlimited wealth, said, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money. 
nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. Greed has led us to a very dark place in this country. And every one of us is vulnerable to the temptation of wealth. We ought to have our radar on all the time when it comes to the effect that our earthly treasure has on us. And then there's an effective way to combat materialism in our lives. There's an effective way to overcome our tendency to store up for ourselves treasures on earth. It's found in the truth that was spoken by Jesus himself. It is better to give than receive. Listen to how Paul describes the process of freeing ourselves from our attachment to earthly treasures. This is also from 1 Timothy chapter 6. He says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. These are some things that we need to understand about our treasures. God owns it all. God is to be our ultimate treasure. Heaven is our home. Our treasures can be a dangerous thing. And it is better to give than to receive. Storing up treasure for ourselves in heaven has to do with how we manage our earthly treasure. Are we using that treasure for eternal things? Do our decisions regarding our earthly treasure have any eternal impact? Um, Next week, I want to look specifically at ways in which we can store up for ourselves treasures in heaven by wisely investing in earthly things, in eternal things, excuse me. And I want you to wrestle with that idea this week. Um, You can't send your money to heaven. You can't take it with you. Obviously, we're not talking about physical things being stored up for us. So how does this work? What are some practical ways we can store up treasure for ourselves in heaven? Be thinking about that between now and next Sunday. What I want to close today's message with is the picture that Jesus is presenting us with in Matthew 6, 21. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We live in a culture that endorses this idea of following your heart. And at first glance, we might think that Jesus got his statement backwards or, or it was translated backwards. Wouldn't it make more sense for Jesus to say, get your heart in the right place and your treasure will simply follow? Doesn't it make sense that if we have the right motives, the way we manage God's stuff will be on track? Yet Jesus doesn't say it that way. Jesus says that we are, uh, that we, we invest, where we invest our treasure will lead our heart to dwell in that place as well. Now, when Jesus refers to the heart in Matthew 6, he's referring to our mind, emotions, and will. The term heart is used this way commonly, frequently in the New Testament. It refers to our mind, emotions, and will. And I find this to be very revealing and very encouraging, but it's also very challenging. I find that it would be so easy for me to declare that my heart is in the right place. So naturally, my treasure management must be right as well. But look for a minute at the characteristics of our hearts. Look at our minds, our emotions, and our wills. 
our minds, our thoughts tend to be scattered. Our emotions tend to be uncontrollable. Our decisions tend to be uncertain. That's the state of heart that's focused on storing up earthly treasure for itself. Can you relate to this? Jesus offers us great hope for our hearts. He says that if we are investing God's treasures in heaven, our heart will follow our treasure. Our minds will go to the place in which we are investing. Our emotions will be connected to eternal things. And our decisions will be made with confidence in the light of eternity. Think about that. We'll come back to it next week. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There your thoughts will be. There your emotions will be anchored. There your decisions will be made with confidence. How do we know that this will happen? We can be very confident that this will happen because we have an eternal brother who modeled this for us with his life. In our 40 days looking to Jesus, we need to spend some time now looking to him on the cross. We're going to share communion together. So let's consider the impact that facing the cross must have had on Jesus. Do you think the impending torture and crucifixion crucifixion affected Jesus' mind? Of course it did. Do you think it affected his emotions? Of course it did. Do you think it affected his decisions? Without question. So how did he do it? How did Jesus face what lay ahead as he agonized in the garden? Our theme verse for this Verses for this 40-day focus give us a clue. Um, Hebrews 12, 2 is the verse that tells us to look to Jesus. Jesus is the founder and perfecter of our faith. He is the lens through which we can see eternity by faith. Then it says that for the joy that was set before him, for the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross. He made it through because he could see something on the other side. Jesus saw eternity. He had spent his entire life investing in heaven, in his home. Jesus declared that his life was not his own. It belonged to his father. God was Jesus' ultimate treasure. Jesus spent his life giving rather than receiving. He gave everything he had. Everything. But, you say, look at how he died. Was it worth it? Jesus believed it was worth it. He believed that you and I were worth it. Listen to this. We are. Are you and I are the treasure that Jesus stored up in heaven for himself. We are the treasure that Jesus stored up in heaven for himself. Jesus invested his body and his blood in that treasure. So what are we investing in? Earthly treasure or heavenly treasure? So you come to take the bread and the cup this morning... 
Think about what Jesus spent his life investing in. Think about what it is that he focused on and how that focus gave him the strength to face the cross. Think about the model that we've been given of what it means to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'm going to invite the elders to come now and prepare to serve communion and ask the worship team if they'll come up to lead us through a time of singing and worship as we partake together. Let's pray as they come and prepare. Father, you have been so generous with us in so many ways. We have what we need. And we even have more than we need. Thank you for all that you have given us. You knew, you know what we need. Thank you for the confidence that you have in us that that we will do what's right with what you've given us. That we will invest wisely. Thank you for laying that out for us in the word. For speaking that to us through the voice of your son, Jesus Christ. For giving us a picture of what it means to acknowledge that you own everything. It's yours. And you've given it to us to manage, to invest, to, to steward God, open our eyes to see all the things in our life that have been given to us by you. And then help us to put you on the throne to make you our ultimate treasure, to raise you up above everything that we have that we think is ours. And come to you in submission and humility and say, okay, God, it is yours. You own it. Now show me how to manage it. Show me how to steward it. Show me how to invest it in things that have eternal value. God, free us from the entanglement of earthly treasure. Set us free to be wise investors, to invest what we have in heaven. Father, I thank you for opening the door for us to be able to come to heaven. I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you for all that he went through on our behalf. I thank you that he stepped in and took our punishment for us in our place. I thank you that his blood was shed for us for the forgiveness of our sin so that we could be washed clean and stand before you spotless and be able to be in your presence. God, I praise you for the work of your son who kept his eyes on eternity, who spent his entire life investing in treasure in heaven and for the humbling reality that we are the treasure.
that he invested everything he had so that we could be there, that we can be with you forever, that we can have eternal life. Father, your love for us is so deep, vast beyond all measure. God, teach us to invest in heaven, in eternity. Give us your eyes. Give us your mind. Give us your love. We love you and we can't wait to see you face to face. Thank you for making that possible. Thank you for the body and blood of your son, Jesus Christ, given on our behalf to purchase eternal life for us. Pray this in his name, in the name of Jesus Christ, the holy and spotless lamb. Amen.